Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. We're going to worship, not only because it's right to worship, but because God is looking for worshipers. Because whether we know it or not, you know, we've been praying for 2,000 years, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So when we're worshiping and we're making declarations, what we're actually doing is we're, we're pulling down the administration of heaven. Imagine this, that when we start to worship, you see a door open and suddenly angels and beings of heaven begin to filter down sort of like administrators into a courtroom. And when everything's in place and all the personalities are in place, then suddenly the work of that administration begins. Worship isn't just some emotional songs or some feeling or some, you know, momentary honor we're giving. It's the vehicle through which the kingdom of God is coming to earth. So when we're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done, realize that your faith, your declaration, your worship facilitates on earth what is in heaven. So let's worship God today with the realization that when you lift your hands, when your faith goes up, you're pulling something down of the unending government of God. So, Father, we say today, let the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the earth. Lord, let this room be filled with angels that are ascending and descending. Lord, let the powerful revelation of your word that sets men free be evident here in this place today in Jesus' name. Just before we go on to the next song, you know what faith does is it changes the the dynamics. You know, there was this one story where Elisha was was in this city, and suddenly his servant comes to him and says, "The city is surrounded by enemies. We are we are on every side. There's no way out. There's no armies here to protect us. We have we've got no backup. We are outnumbered." Uh, and and that was the reality. That was the situation. And so often in the Old Testament, we see that repeated many times. And uh, salvation and freedom came when another army came and saved them or something like that happened. And there were those times when they got saved by superiority in numbers. But the prophet, he was unmoved. He said, it doesn't matter because I'm not looking at this realm. And the question is this today, how convinced we are about another realm? How convinced are we when we see things happen in our nation and in our province that seem to be a step backward, how convinced are we that there are more with us than are with them? And then when we speak, what comes out? Because the truth is, the people of God releasing what is invisible determines the victory. So when we're saying all the earth... The whole earth sings. The whole earth sings. The whole earth sings. We're, we're, we're feeding into a, a dialogue that the earth is going to be overcome with good, that it doesn't matter what happens in the natural. It doesn't matter what seeming setbacks there are, that there are more with us than are with them. And it doesn't really matter. So, Father, we want to say today that no matter what the enemy is trying to make us focus on, No matter what evil, no matter what defeats, no matter what discouraging circumstances, the increase of your government will not end.
And I feel even right now, as, I, as I'm saying these things, it's like we don't really believe it. Yeah, but that might be true. But, no, it doesn't matter. There's no buts here. The increase of his government will not end. Speak with your mouth what you know to be true. God, we declare in Jesus' name that there are more forces to be released on earth from heaven, that there are more angels, that there is more victory, that there are more resources, that there are more weapons that are mighty to the pulling down of stronghold that we can possibly imagine, that you have an answer for every circumstance, every trump card the enemy seems to lift up and to play. You've got something else prepared as a response to this. And we want to be the people that simply laugh alongside with you as you behold, Lord, what the nations do. Lord, fill us with a sense of impending victory. Impending victory. Lord, fill us with a sense of impending victory because great is our God and greatly to be praised. At the end of the day, this, this is what it's all about for the the earth to see how great is our God. And we know that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. We know that's, we know that's coming. It's inevitable. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. But right now, we only see partially. We see through a glass darkly. And the question is always there, will you bow not seeing fully. Will you bow? Will you bow? And this is the choice that God is bringing you in every season of your life to say, I will bow. And when he, he finds something inside of you that, that is resistant to bowing and he brings circumstances that bring that to the forefront and he says, will you bow? And in our minds, we, we think, oh, I, I have to. All, everything in me needs to bow. But there, there are these things that are reluctant. But we say, God, we want to bow. We want our entire beings to be resigned to you today. In Jesus' name. I want Drew to come. Drew just was reading a scripture from Joel, and I want him to read the scripture and just bring us this brief exhortation about this passage. Yeah, so this is in Joel 2, 6. six. It says, At the sight of them, the nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. They charge like warriors. They scale walls like soldiers. They all march in line, not swerving from their course. They do not jostle each other. Each marches straight ahead. They plunge through defenses without breaking ranks. They rush upon the city. They run along the wall. They climb into houses like thieves. They enter through the windows. Before them the earth shakes, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon are darkened and the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number and mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? So I just felt like as a soldier, you know, you're an individual, but in an army, it's key that you walk together with others. And what the Lord, you know, that he goes before us. 
so that he can be glorified. And what he's, when he says, and this is the training ground for the army as an individual, when, when, we have, when he calls out to, his, to us and he says, hey, my son, my daughter, hey, good morning. What are we going to do today? What are we going to conquer today? What fears? What apprehensions? What troubles? What demons? What healing is going to come? What love is going to overwhelm the forces of evil by my strength and with your voice? And so he says, here's my voice. Lift it up. And so when we come together as an individual, we have to go, I'm dead already. I'm dead to myself. I have no voice except God gives me a voice. I have no breath except God gives me a breath. All is yours, everything that's in me. I bring my body as a living sacrifice to you this morning, God, that you can be glorified. Yes, I'll lift my hands. Yes, I'll dance. Yes, every fiber of my being is given to you, God of heaven and earth, so that we can go out and we can love with abandon. You know, I think we don't really understand God's intention to flow through each of our lives. You know, when Paul talks about people who are standing and speaking or preaching, he said, you should be speaking as the oracle of God. You think, wow, if that wasn't in there, that would be very presumptuous to think that we could do that. But what does Paul say? He says, the work I do, it's, it's not even me. I, I, I've, worked, I've worked harder than everybody else, but it's not me. It's God in me. And so how do we, how do we reconcile the responsibility to do it and yet the ability to do it in his power? Well, Father, you, you are training us. You are training us today, Lord, and we believe you will have an army before whom you thunder, before whom you shake the earth. So, Lord, we want to be your army. In Jesus' name, amen. And I hope you haven't been infected by the teaching that went around a little while ago where somebody said, well, you, we can't use that analogy from Joel because that was the... That was the army that came to destroy Israel, beside the point. He said it was his army. And so he was giving a description of what his army looks like. And whether it's an army that's being used to judge Israel or the army at the end times that's being used to redeem the world, this is what his army looks like. And so, uh, so be set free from that bad theology, please. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So yesterday I was uh, cutting the grass and the Lord began to speak to me about dominion. And I want to read a couple of scriptures, but I was thinking about the fact that we are saved. When we get saved, we're going to heaven. And a lot of times, a lot of the impetus for going, wanting to be saved or the you know, wanting to be a Christian is to, to not go to hell or to go to heaven. But have you ever thought about this? And maybe you think about it all the time. What are we going to do there? 
And occasionally I've joked about the Philadelphia cream cheese commercials. You've seen those Philadelphia cream cheese commercials with a lady with her harp and sitting on clouds eating cream cheese? Right? You know, I mean, that's, that's the typical idea that, you know, there's this, you know, it, it's so vague what's there that all we can do is talk about it in the sense of, of intangibles, like clouds, right? But, you know, and these clouds have enough, to, you know, substance to them you can sit on them. But regardless, there's still this, this fogginess about what heaven is about. Uh, the first thing I want to say is this is that there's a scripture in Hebrews, and it says this. It says that God created the things which are seen out of the things which are not seen. And he says the things which are seen, Paul is writing in another in Corinthians, he says are, are, uh, are passing away. And so he says, listen, we're not to set our eyes on the things which are, are temporal because they're passing away, but on the things which are eternal because they're remaining forever. But yet... As I was just saying about being born again, most of your, your being connects with what's seen, right? I mean, we connect with the world around us. You know, we, I, I hit that and it makes noise, right? Because there's friction. There's something hitting something, a substance. And so we, we become accustomed to this world. This world trains us about what it means to have impact or affect the world around you. And, of course, we're, we're through our minds and through our bodies, we're touching this world. But the Bible is saying to us, no, this is not real in the sense of, of real being increasing or higher level of permanence. And so from the eyes of God, it's not that the world doesn't exist because it does. This is here. This is happening. Okay, we're not going to get into that metaphysical kind of thing. Well, there is no spoon. How have you seen that? You know what I'm talking about? Well, there is a spoon, okay? It's just not real from the perspective of what is much more real. It's kind of like you, you say to your kids, you know, they're in high school and they're caught up in all this high school drama, and you tell them it's not really real. That world is not real. There's a real world that you're coming into, and that world... It, it, it's not really the real world. Now, to them, like, what do you mean it's not real? What are you talking about? The social order, the feeling picked on, or the feeling disenfranchised, or the feeling like you belong. Or, it's totally real. It's connecting to my emotions. It's connecting my sense of value. I mean, how I relate to this system is, is speaking. It's defining my existence at this point. How can you say it's not real? But as adults, we say... Yeah, I, I can't explain it to you. But just take my word for it. That's not the real world. So when the Bible talks about that which is real versus that which is not real, it's, it doesn't mean this is a, a dream. It's just, it's just going to pass away. And when it passes away and the real comes, you're going to look back and say, oh, wow. It's kind of like your, your life here. We sing that song, Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun. We have no less days to sing God's grace than when we first begun. Uh, it's very poetic and wonderful, but what does it say? He's talking about eternity. That, that when you've been there 10,000 years, you have no less days. Like the, the, the days ahead of you have not been re- reduced by an iota. Yet this life, you know, I'm, I'm through this 50 years, so I'm thinking I'm, I'm a quarter away there. <laughs> So your sense of what is real is being redefined. That's what God is trying to say. 
So, Father, I pray today as we look at this that your word would redefine what is real. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, I started talking about heaven because the reality is that we are being prepared not just to go to heaven, but to rule and reign with Christ. Okay, so imagine some of the things that seems to have substance or today. Like when you go to, to the, um, you need a license or you need to re- register your vehicle, you go to that office over there, whether Drayden Insurance, you go in there and they get these cubicles and they get computers and it's all very official. And, you know, if you have your first time going in to get your license or registering something, you know, you pay your money. It's all this very, you know, wonderful sort of substantial administrative structure and it's like oh wow this is this is this is how the world works you go in here and you do it and this this approval gives you the right to do this the ability to do that and and all these administrative systems are are what causes the world to run and so what god is trying to get us to understand is those things are a shadow of the things that are real that all the administrative systems that we have that run our lives, that there's a, another system greater, much greater, but, and much more substantial. That even the systems that we have in place to organize our lives, they're a drop in the bucket in, in validity as compared to the real. I had a picture of that some time ago. When I was uh, flying in Africa, we were going to uh, coming out of Sudan and back into Kenya, and we went to uh, I can't remember the name of the town. We went to this place. We flew in on this plane. We stopped in this, you know, dirt tarmac. Well, dirt, not even a tarmac, just a field. And when we go to these buildings, these broken down kind of buildings at the end of the runway, we go there, and they bring out three little tables. And they're just like, you know, little, tiny little tables you'd have in Sunday school, right? That, that kind of quality, that level. And they bring out three chairs, and they, one person sits in each of those chairs. And they tell you, okay, get in this lineup. And so, you know, there's 25 people on this plane. We get in this lineup. And so we go up there, and we, they ask us for our, you know, our passport and our visa. And so we take it, and they, they, uh, they punch it. And, and they say, okay, now go, to the, go in the next lineup. Well, if you're first in the line, there's no lineup because you had to go in this one. And I, so I said to the guy, because I was near the back, I said, can't I just go in that one first? No, you have to go in this one first. Okay, so there's a very precise order to this. It's very official, right? And so we go to the next one, and you know what they do? They do exactly the same as the first one. And then I go to the third one, and they stamp it exactly the same way on the same page as the first one. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what's with the redundancy here? Like, what, what, and I was thinking, well, this is the way they, they inherited this administrative system from the British, but they don't really know why they had three different tables. But probably they, when they brought this in, they had three different tables, and, and you had to go to each one in that particular order. And I'm thinking that effort to try to replicate a legitimate system of administration that functional was functional and had purpose is kind of what we do in the whole earth. That everything that man does is a flimsy, childish effort to replicate a higher level of kingdom administration that's in heaven. The question is this, though. Which one are we more aware of? 
Which one do we see more? Which one is more substantial? Which one is kind of, I, I, heaven, kingdom of God, it's just these words, it's these ideas, and, and I can't really attach any real meaning or significance to it. There's no real sense of structure. It's like we come to church and they talk about the kingdom of God, and you know, I, I don't know, it's just a foggy idea. What do we do? We're just singing songs, your kingdom come, your will. Uh, but I don't, it, it's, it's like clouds. Which is it to you? Is it clouds? Is it fluffy? Is it, is it some mystical idea far off? Or do you have a sense that actually it's real? Now, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Why am I saying this? Because I want to put it out there, the possibility that this is more real than you know, that is more substantial than you know, that, that what we're doing actually matters on a level we couldn't possibly comprehend. Now, this morning when I came into the prayer room, as we're beginning to worship, see, I, I was feeling the mindset of those that go to prayer, or we, sometimes we go to church because it's what we ought to do. Oh, yeah, it's Sunday, it's church tomorrow. Is that how you think about your job? I mean, I know you might not go to your job, but at least with your job, you know that, A, something is being done that's real. Something's being accomplished. And even if you don't like what's being accomplished, at the end of the day, you're going to get a check. I mean, there are direct returns. Input this way causes results this way on a variety of levels. I don't think we really are convinced of that around issues of prayer. I don't think we're really convinced of that around issues of worship. And what God is trying to do is he's trying to get raise up a people who are so familiar with the administration of the kingdom of heaven that when we come together, we're actually, we're actually really believe, we really believe that every word that comes out of our mouth can either cause the increase or the decrease of the kingdom of God. That there are immediate repercussions. That when we say, God, we pray for this person in this other place, that literally something advances. See, when you do something in the natural, you do it with a sense that when I take the hammer and I hit that thing, the nail goes in. You know, the release of energy causes effect. Do we believe that concerning the kingdom of God? Well, here's the deal. We do it sometimes out of obedience and out of fear, out of shame, or out of sense of duty. But God is saying to you, come up, sons and daughters, because I want to bring you to the place where you realize that it actually works, that something happens, that you're not just fulfilling some kind of invisible quota of attendance, certain amount of, I need to put my time in. I need to, you know, I go there, Sunday morning, here we are. Okay, give me money, go home. That there's actually, there's actually a, a legitimate administration that we are participating in that causes the advance of the kingdom of God. See, when you become convinced of that, something changes inside of you. When you become convinced of that, you start to participate in the kingdom of God on a whole new level. Well, what's making that real? Faith is making it real. The increase of your faith causes you to be able to interact with that which is invisible in a way that it's not airy, fairy, cloudy, unsubstantial, mystic, misty kind of. It's actually, no, no, it's real. Well, did Jesus do that? Absolutely he did. You remember the woman with the issue of blood? He's walking through the crowd and there are people pressing him on every side. 
And, and this woman with the issue of blood, she's pressing through, and she believes that if I touch him, I'm going to be healed. So, so she touches him, and he turns around to the disciples and says, who touched me? And he says, what do you mean, who touched you? Like, everybody, right? Because there's a huge crowd, you know, bumping you on every side. He said, no, no, no. Somebody touched me in a substantial way. I felt power go out for me. In other words, so, in other words something was accomplished for the kingdom of God because I felt the release of divine power. And that release of divine power tells me that something was uh, materialized. Something actually was established. Something changed in the, t- the, the, the time continuum. Do you believe that? Are, have you begun to experience the sense of when you pray? See, this is what's so lovely about the kids, right? They say, I was doing this thing, and, and all of a sudden I'm praying this way, and he's, and he's doing it. But now he's in the flow of it, and it's all exciting, and it's new. But there's something real about this exchange that's happening. When you lift your hands, do you believe that there's an exchange happening? Do you believe that there's something happening, or is this sort of, uh, this is me showing... God, I mean business. Or is there actually something? See, when Moses lifted up his hands and the Israel was fighting, Israel won. And what does that mean? That means more swords of Israelites were going into Amalekites than Amalekite-sized swords were going into Israelites. I mean, that's how real the, the exchange was. And when he stopped lifting his hands, the Amalekites started killing more Israelites. Okay, Do we believe when we come here Wednesday night or when you go into your prayer closet or when you are when you are uh, opening your Bible to to read? Is this how much of it is duty? How much of it is, uh, you know, I I must or it's what Christians do or it's it's I feel good when I do it. And how much of it is the work of the kingdom is happening right now? See, that's what God is bringing us into. And the reason he's bringing us into is because he has a plan. He's had a plan from the beginning of creation for us. And that plan was articulated in Genesis 1, 26 and 28. This is what it says. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Overpopulation, it's a big problem. No, it isn't. Overpopulation is not a problem. Overpopulation is not a problem. We have been, I, I tell you, I f- I'm feeling, even when I say that, it's like we have, we've been given a message again and again and again, you know, that mankind is some kind of virus and that there can't be too many, if there's too many of us and then there's less room for the polar bears, you know, and, and whatnot. You know what? I, I'm fine with polar bears. I like puppies. I, I, seals are cute. But, you know, well, but, you know, species are disappearing. Well, you know what? I know the, the creator that has the DNA stored, and if he wants more of them, he can make more of them. Well, and I feel the objections, like all the environmentalistic, you know, arguments against us. But I tell you what, the earth was made for man. The earth was made for man. And it is legitimate, more legitimate for man to impact the earth, any of the creatures. He says, listen, I create, subdue the earth and fill it. Fill it. 
fill it, fill it, fill it. Back in the 70s, the fear mongers at that time were saying, the earth is going to starve. The earth cannot support a population of more than 5 billion people. If, if, if that happens, we're going to have mass starvations. And, da, 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 da. and you know what God does? God, God's like, listen, I, I made all of this. I have every fix you could ever possibly need. And, and if men would just come and worship me and submit to me, I will actually bring to them the ideas and the, and the solutions for every conceivable problem. Because when I said fill the earth. I mean, fill the earth. And so what happened is, is there was agricultural gains that causes the yield of world crops to multiply many times. And we are not, not even close. See, what, what causes starvation, right, is bad religion. Bad religion causes starvation. Well, we got no food because all the cows that we're not allowed to eat are eating up all the food. They're, we're not allowed to stop them. They're going into our fields, eating our wheat and eating our crops. And hey, Well, eat them. No. Our religion says we can't. That might be my aunt. Bad religion. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Have dominion. Now, this is just preparation for the next, the next phase. God is saying, listen, the earth is going to pass away. The creation is temporary. All the things as you see it is, is, is it's, all, it's all for a short time. It's not even what's real. But I'm using that to train you to have dominion. Because what I've really invited you is to have dominion with me. And I want to awaken you to your role. I want, this is what the Spirit of God is saying just today. I want to awaken you to the fact that I saved you not just so you wouldn't go to hell. I saved you so that you could rule and reign with me for eternity. But we have, we have no perception of eternity. Well, what happens afterwards? Just, you know, we're going to go to the beach for eternity. We just do stuff. Well, what do you do now? We're ingenious, creative, efficient. I mean, the kingdom of God is an administrative system many times more complicated than the ones that are in front of us, many times greater, many times more, uh, more important in what is being produced. You know, you're not going to have a lot of free time on your hand when you go to heaven. We're going to be busy because the same God who created ingenuity and gave you a mind and gave you a capacity to, to build and fill the earth is saying, listen, now I want you to do that with eternity. There's a whole raft of existence beyond the idea of, okay, we're here. Give me my harp. Which cloud is mine? But we're not really sure about that. And the reason we're not sure is because the spiritual stuff is not substantial. It's mystical to us. It's, it's not really real. What God is trying to do is saying, listen, I, I want to train you that there's more substance there's more substance in you by faith saying your kingdom come, your will be done, than you taking a wire and straightening it. That, you know, you do that because you think it has an effect, but you can't say your kingdom come because, well, we said it three times, you know, are we done? Well, when you're straightening a, a, a metal rod or you're, you're, you're carving a, a piece of wood in order to do something, after you go three times, are we done? No, the kids say that because they don't understand what they're building. And it's like, okay, now start sanding with like that. And so he sands three times like, Dad, am I done? Well, no, just keep doing it. 
And the frustration of the dad is, I wish I could bring you into an understanding of what it is we're creating. Then you wouldn't see this activity as so futile and empty. This is what we have in the churches. We're here praying, worshiping, singing, your kingdom come, your will be done. And people who don't connect with the effect are saying, are we done? We did it three times. And God is saying, yeah, come up higher. I'm trying to bring you into an understanding that when you speak a word out of faith, when you say, your kingdom come, your will be done, that something actual happens to increase my kingdom. See, my, my, my son understood this. So when somebody touched him and he felt that power go out, he knew the kingdom of God had increased. Okay, where did, where did that happen? This is what empowers us. How, how can you go to church? How can you worship for an hour? Like, an hour? You're praying for how long? What? You're praying? An all-night prayer meeting? Sheesh. What enables you to cut the grass for three hours at your, your, your acreage? Well, because when I stop at an hour and a half, it's only half done. What if God could give you the sense of the realness of what you can't see? What if he could give you the conviction and, and the, give you the, the sense of how substantial the invisible world? He's saying, listen, the invisible world is more substantial than the, the world that you see. And my, when I got you born again, when I made your spirit alive, I gave you the ability to connect with the invisible world to see that this one is more substantial than this one. And that's the growth of your life is God is saying, I want you to convince you increasingly of what endures forever. And you can cut your grass and you can build a house and you can, you can buy a Lamborghini, but all of that is passing away. And if you start to really genuinely understand of what will endure and what won't endure, you'll you stop putting your faith in this one and you start laboring more intensely in this one because who wants to, who wants to paint a barn that's going to burn down tomorrow? Because you just, well, you know, got to paint the barn because we need it for five more years. But, but we know that it's temporary. Christianity is God bringing you into a life cycle that includes the eternal with conviction and assurance. So where are you in the journey? Well, how convinced are you of what's valid? Where do you get your defining information for what is valid and what is illegitimate? Well, you know, we took those sticks up here and we we're hitting the ground, but, you know, I got tired after a while. So how are we done? Well, we're not just hitting the sticks. We're actually doing something else, you know, miles away from here in the spirit. We're, we're praying, your kingdom come. Well, what's happening? Well, I, we don't have to know. We just have to know that something of the spirit of, of the kingdom of God is going out. Can't you feel that life going out of you? You can have the same conviction Jesus had. Who touched me? Just because, oh, did you feel the authority in that? Something happened. And somebody who doesn't feel it says, are we done yet? God is saying, I want to give you the conviction that the invisible things are more real than the tangible things so that you can labor in the world that matters, in the spirit. Amen? But this is the reward of faith. It's actually, it releases you to participate in what God is doing in the earth. That's what his son did. Jesus did the work of his father because he was convinced about what was real, what was not, what was permanent, and what was temporary. 
So, Father, today I pray, even as we preached your word and shared this truth, Lord, I pray, oh, that our spirit man would rise up and become increasingly more convinced of what is real and what is temporary. Father, in the name of Jesus, amen. If you haven't been born into God's world, then that's where it starts. Your spirit comes alive in the same way when you were born into this earth, your senses came alive to the world around you. Being born again is where your senses come alive to an invisible, intangible world. Well, I've I've been going to church for 10 years, and I don't have that. I've been going to church for a long time, and I, I don't have that. Maybe you're not born again. Are you alive? Do you feel the world in which God lives? Do you have the ability to interact with it? Our disposition towards that is a great start. But there's actually a birthing where that world becomes real. Like this testimony we heard earlier, this 13-year-old coming into a new place, a new phase of that world, which is a great thing. But I'm talking to people that might not have that sense that this is real. It's like... I just, every time I come to church, I feel like I'm pretending. If that's you today, I'm believing for you to get born again, to cross over. That you won't have to pretend because pastor said this is more real and I don't think he's lying. Are you convinced? Do you know? Are your spiritual senses alive to the world that God is in? See, a lot of people who can't worship God, I just don't see the sense. Because you don't know, you're not interacting with his presence. You don't really know that he's there receiving that. So God wants to fill that gap. Well, how how does he do that? Is this some magical prayer? No, here's how the kingdom of God works. You seek in order to find. And if you don't have some of the things I'm talking about, what I'm putting out there is seek him because he's looking for the effort and the desire on your part to lean in that something will say, no, I think there's something more real than I've experienced. God, I believe it's for me today. I believe it's not just for my wife or my children or the others. Uh, I believe it's for me. I want to lean into it. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press in. I'm going to come to the meetings. I, I'm going to keep asking. What does he say? He said, if you keep knocking, the door will be opened. If you keep seeking, you will find. Don't settle for half vision. You are called to this. The Spirit of God is saying, I've called you to serve me. I want to teach you how to interact with the invisible kingdom. It's real, and I'll show you how to work it so you can be a co-heir with me, a joint heir a co-laborer. This is why we're here. This is what we're growing in. I want you to just lean into God right now. Say, God, open my eyes. God, I want to see. I want to experience your presence. I want to know the power that Jesus went out of him at that time. And I want to know when somebody speaks a prophetic word that, that, that they have, that they know that that's heaven being released, that that's from God, that this is, that this is real. I want to quit feeling like I'm shooting blanks in the air. So, Holy Spirit, I release you today. Holy Spirit, throughout this room, 
to touch our lives. Lord, you said that you would teach us concerning the things that are Christ. You said that you would train us. You said that you would open our eyes. You said that you would bring us into this. Lord, we are not satisfied. We're happy for what we've had thus far, but we're saying, God, we want more. We want more. Lord, what is the inheritance of the sons of God? What is the inheritance of those that are born again? I want my inheritance. Lord, I want what you've given me. I want what you said is mine. I want the experience of a child of God. I want to know your love. I want to know your presence. I want to know your authority. I want to know what counts. I want to know what's real. That's what we're asking for. And, you know, God is actually quite happy to give it to you. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to introduce you to the spiritual dynamics that make up his, his dominion. Because he called you to have dominion. Thank you, Father. So, Lord, we say today, raise up a generation of people for whom the kingdom of heaven is second nature. For whom dreams and visions and the supernatural is just everyday occurrences. Lord, men and women who can speak to cells because we know that cells are made up of sound and light at their core... And sound and light is fluid, and it moves, and we can speak to DNA, and we can speak to bodies, and we can speak to creation and have the sun stand still. We can, we can say to that mountain, be removed, Lord. The faith that is able to change the world around us, God, give us that today. This is your inheritance. This is your inheritance. You're not taking something. You're not asking for something he hasn't given. He hasn't designed for you to have. You're just saying, God, I, I don't know. I don't understand. Teach me. I want this. I want this. I'm done sitting at the back, thinking, feeling excluded from everything. Teach me, Holy Spirit. You know, one of the big challenges, one of the big challenges that Jesus had were the religious leaders at the time. And what it means is this, is that there was a people who had given themselves to a system, and they they thought that this was it, that this is the thing. This was God's system in the earth. And they, they were unwilling to accept that there was some part of this that they missed. How could it be? How, I, I've spent so many years doing this. How could it be? There's no way this Jesus guy has more than me. There's no way there's the things that he's talking about could be real. There's no way God would let me labor 40 years in this system and not alert me that there's more to this. And sometimes we, we as the church, we, we just decide that, no, what I presently know is the limits. There's no way I could be 50 years in the church and not, and not be at the highest point of the possible experiences. It, it can't be. It can't be that others are experiencing things that I should be experiencing. And God is saying, listen, there's more than you could possibly know. Give it up. This is what children have. They have this ability to run into the more. They just have this ability because they don't, they don't have that build up. So, Father, we want to, as adults who've experienced church for maybe 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, we want to say, Lord, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. Holy Spirit, come, come, Holy Spirit, come, show us what we don't have.